0: Hey chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs! Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I have a interview with Dr. Holly Tucker, and she is a chiropractor, but she is also trained in the Profit First method, and we're going to dive into some of the financial conversation of having a practice. And you know, even if you're um, not a practice owner and you're listening to this, the information will be very helpful for you. And we touch on a lot of great fundamentals of running your finances. And I think that's one of the things I know I've noticed, uh, you know, not only in my own life throughout my career, but talking to a lot of chiropractors is, um, even for those that are financially sound and and make accurate decisions, um, they don't really have a plan with their finances. And the profit first method is a very good plan. And the way I like to also frame this is that, you know, Dr. Tucker is a chiropractor. She knows the nuances of chiropractic business and then being able to layer on her knowledge with the Profit First Method really makes it great information and uh, she provides a lot of good value. Uh, She was one of our um, popular presentations in the Chiropractic Business Summit and I no doubt uh, believe you will enjoy this conversation we have. She brings a lot of good information and excitingly enough, this is our 200th episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing uh, Show and we're pulling up on four years here coming up in, in April. So this is our 200th episode. That is exciting. I, I didn't know what was going to happen when I started this podcast and we've kept at it uh, weekly for, for this period of time and we have now hit the big 200 and we're ready to keep going and the uh, hopefully hit the thousand at some point but um, today you're going to listen to a great interview with Dr. Holly Tucker. She brings a lot of good information and I want you to start thinking about the finances of your practice even if it's not something you enjoy. It is a necessary part of running a, a successful practice. All right. Welcome to the show, Dr. Tucker. I really appreciate your time today. Before we dive into uh, a bunch of good information, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally, and we'll start educating the folks listening today.
1: All right. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, so much for having me. So um, I am a chiropractor, went to Logan, graduated. Uh, This is going to actually be my 10-year anniversary this year. Nice. Um, And uh, I met my husband at Logan, so he is a sports chiropractor as well. Um, we practiced together for the first eight years out of school and, um, a couple of years ago, we got an opportunity to sort of change things up. So he was hired to be a uh, sports chiropractor for a D one school. And so we got the opportunity of selling our practice and kind of upgrading our whole lives and and moving. So we have two little boys and, uh, and now I work more in a mentor and coach capacity as well as a part-time
0: practice. Perfect. And then where did you move from? And then where'd you move to?
1: Yeah, we were outside of the Knoxville area, Tennessee, and now we are outside of Memphis. Okay. So if you're not familiar with the geography, it's like the furthest two points you could be. So, yeah. Well, you know, when he was um, picked for this position, you know, that question did come up, like, did they think you were closer and that you could have done both or what? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's been a blessing. So
0: yeah, Tennessee's like uh, Florida, in a sense, you guys are wide, we're long. And you know, people was like, oh, you know, I've got someone in Florida too. And I was like, where at? And they'll say like the Panhandle. I was like, oh, I'm all the way to the other bottom end. It'll take nine hours driving to get there. So
1: Yeah, I actually grew up in the Panhandle and I went to Florida State. So.
0: Oh, there you go. that's right. <laughs> I knew that you went to Florida State because I did as well and went to Logan. So we've got a lot of commonalities. Great, good, good stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And then I know that you were a big part and big contributor and, and frankly, one of the more popular uh, presentations at our CSA business summit so I wanted to thank you for that and you, you spoke about the profit first system and I think that's what we'll dive into today.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, thank you so much for that opportunity. I um, I implemented Profit First within our practice, I think it was back in 2017, and it just instantly clicked for me. I mean, like I said, my husband and I, we've been in practice, we've been rocking and rolling for a few years, and it's like with every year it came, you know, okay, we can pay ourselves a little bit more now, we we can do this, but we were still kind of caught in that trap and Mm -hmm. in the methodology, it calls it the survival trap of like, you get to the end of the year and you're like, okay there's all this money there, what are we going to go you know, buy this big piece of equipment, but then it wasn't necessarily a plan of doing anything with that equipment. So it's like, it's always, we were trying to reinvent ourselves. And we didn't really have a structure in place of like, okay, what is the long term vision mm-hmm. of how to manage cash in the business and how to move forward on, you know, big projects and things like that. So yeah,
0: it's, it's tricky. And, you know, whether you want to call it financial literacy or, or, or whatever, it's hard because, you know, we're trained chiropractors and not many of us have the background in business or, or finances and it. And it can nab you any, which way or the other, you know, it's like you, you could have a profit issue and that's a, obviously a problem or, you know, I ran into a situation. I've mentioned this on the podcast before where I just truly really didn't understand finances. I was fortunate enough to, to do really well from a revenue and, and profit standpoint, but I didn't know, really what to do with that. And I did a lot of the wrong things. And then in 2015, when like insurance down in Florida, our reinsurance insurance reimbursement got cut pretty bad. And I just didn't have enough safety net to to handle that transition. Um, and that's why I, I sought some help to do that. And now I feel really good about it. Now it's 2021. It probably took five years to really get to that point. And so hopefully our audience that's listening, if they feel uncomfortable, that type of stuff, they can start you know grabbing the bull by the horns now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always loved numbers and money. I mean, nothing and nothing about that has ever scared me. I just, I mean, I could get lost in a spreadsheet, meaning I could Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time playing around with things, Um, not necessarily lost because I don't know what what I'm doing, but yeah, I mean, those early years in practice, it was just, it just, it felt like that hamster wheel of not really knowing. And we had in Tennessee, one of our major payers um, had gone to a per diem model. And I think it was around that same time frame, either 2015 or 2016, where it didn't matter if you spent five minutes or three hours with a patient, you were getting this, essentially just the cost of your adjustment was being paid. And so, yeah, it was a big hit on, okay, we've got to get really lean and practice and figure out exactly You know what what we have to do to make this business profitable, what kind of staff do we have to have, you know, and how much time are we spending on certain things so that doctors can be doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and for me, I came into um, prior to chiropractic school, I worked in a medical setting so I worked in health records and I also worked in insurance coding and billing. And so I kind of already knew that back side of it of, you know, this is the way we want to go with our practice, but we have to understand the numbers. Otherwise, it's not going to work out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what Profit First is, where it comes from, and, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a book written by uh, Mike Michalowicz, and he now has uh, several business books that are out. Um, this one just happens to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole methodology behind it, um, the title you know, says profit first, and what that is getting at is, you know, traditionally in you know bookkeeping and, and accounting, you have all of your expenses at the top. Um, you you have all of your revenue, and then all your expenses come out of that, and at the very bottom is like quote your your bottom line or your profit. And so he flips that on its head because what you see is that it's, it's almost like you can get caught in like a tax trap of like, you don't want that number to be big because then you're going to have to pay more in taxes. And that comes with a lot of negative connotations. And so then your focus is shifted instead of on making your business really efficient and creating more revenue. It's spent on, well, how can we spend all that money? So it's not profit at the end. So he talks a lot in the book about, you have to have barriers and you have to have structure in place to know how to spend your money. So that at the end of the day, you have a profitable business And it's sustainable. You pay yourselves, you know, as the owner of the business, Um, you don't want to pay yourselves last um, and that you intentionally save for taxes. And then after you do those three things, then you get to spend your money on operating expenses. So um, the way that, you know, I help clients set this up is like, okay, we need to get to essentially we do everything based on percentages. So we need to know roughly where you've been operating your business. You know, we look at the last maybe two or three years of finances and sort of see some trends and say, okay, what are your rough percentages that you've been operating on? And then where do we want to go? And it's a a process, obviously. We're not just going to rip the bandaid off and say, you can't go spending any more money or you got to dump all of this into this account and not touch it again. It's definitely an evolution.
0: Perfect. And, um, you know, one of the things I always – talk about with, so obviously I do marketing, but I'm a chiropractor. And I wouldn't say I know marketing like uh, some of the top marketers out there. But then I would also say is a lot of the marketers out there that don't know chiropractic can struggle to bridge that gap a little bit and and know how to do marketing for chiropractic. <clears throat> I think maybe you come from a nice unique angle of being able to implement this profit first system and obviously know the chiropractic profession and some of the unique aspects of it that maybe someone that only knew profit first but really had no idea about the chiropractic practices is that a, a fair statement?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, coming from you know owning and operating our own business, um, and then I worked in the capacity as a capacity as a mentor and coach um, for um, another group of chiropractors, and so I've seen a lot of that um, sort of back end of what can happen, and you know things that we spend our money on, or just the tendencies that that tend to happen with chiropractors. Um, yeah, I am by no means a CPA. I'm not there to replace your CPA. I'm not there to do your taxes. Um, anything like that, but managing day-to-day cash flow most likely is going to fall on the business owner. It's going to fall on that chiropractor themselves if they're if they're in practice by themselves. So you need to know how to manage your cash. And I do run into that sometimes where a client will say, "Yeah, well, you know, I ran this by my CPA, and they don't think it's a good idea." Well, it's probably just because they're not familiar with it, and they're they're not going to want you to dive into something that's, you know, not going to be legal or ethical or anything like that. But this is literally just cash flow. We're not trying to come up with, you know, a different way of of spending your money that that's just not going to be good at the end of the day. It's just how do you pay yourself? How do you save for your taxes? And where do you spend your money?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Do you ever have to get on the phone with their accountant to kind of explain it? Or do you have uh, them do it?
1: Yeah, we definitely have some resources, you know, that we can send over and say like, here's a one pager, you know, this is just, you know, this is going to be the workflow. All the money is going to come into the bank at the, you know, the same ways that it has. We want to make sure that's at least on a regular rhythm, Um, you know, where you have, you know, all of your insurance payments that automatically go to the bank. You've got checks that come in. You've got cash. You've got credit card payments. We have to funnel all of that, all all that in. Mm -hmm. And then twice a month, we're going to sit down and we're going to distribute it out into this other account. So another thing that kind of scares people is, is this going to make, is this going to increase my workload, transferring money back back and forth between these accounts? And, um, you know, at first, honestly, I thought that too. But then what I realized is that it completely simplified, like the ongoing ticker that I had going in my yeah. head about when are things due and what's coming up and where's the money going to come from from that? Because mm-hmm. you look, I mean, I personally just kind of shut my brain off to all of those things until I got to those two days a month where it was intentional and I was sitting down to do that, that exact task.
0: Yeah. You know, I, there's a quite a few chiropractors that I've coached or have coached where um, their, their business checking account just accumulates all this money and they'll have 70, 80 fifty thousand dollars in there and they're maybe a moderately overhead practice so it's not like they need that in there as far as their operating budget for the month and and they have no other accounts and i explained like how he you don't really want to do that can you touch base on why that could be a problem
1: yeah so i mean when you look at that big number your your tendency is to want to spend it It's just i mean that's what the author mike michaelis talks about in the book it's like your tendency is just going to want to go after that if you don't have that um, barrier in place or even just the label in place. So, you know, if you have those five accounts, you don't ever want to see that big number because you're going to want to make decisions off of it. You know, if you you go to a Cairo um, conference somewhere, and hopefully these are all big and and back in person one day, but Um, you know, if you're walking around at the vendor booths and you see something new and shiny and you're thinking, Hey, you know, I got 70,000 in the bank. That's fine. I can do this. You, You kind of get into impulse buys and, you know, and you just kind of get caught in that trap of, okay, well now I've got to have this other big windfall that comes to kind of save me for that, or I'm not going to make payroll next month or, you know, these sorts of things, or we, we finance things when maybe really we shouldn't, um, or, you know, just biting off more than you can chew. I mean, it really comes down to being efficient in your business and knowing when to take that next step and not just leaving it up to, Oh, there's that big money. I can go spend that.
0: And you're not sure how much that of that's going to have to go to the IRS.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can tell you, gosh, I think it was our second or third year in practice. I remember talking to our CPA, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the, at the beginning of the year, I have just sent them over all the numbers and everything. And they're like, okay, it's looking like you had like a $40,000 profit. And I kind of like, you know, 10 stuff. I was like, there is not $40,000 sitting in our bank account right now, because, yeah. you know, if, if you're not a CPA, mm-hmm. you don't really know how these numbers, it's not like a plus B equals C it's, yeah. you know, your, your equipment is depreciated over several years. And so even if you go and you buy something big, it's not going to be written off dollar for dollar.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of that for sure. And you end up with this huge tax bill that you owe, and It's no matter what, it's not a comfortable feeling, but when you have it labeled and put away for that, it's a different feeling, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Plus you just plan for it. So what what are those, uh, those different accounts labeled that you would open in this system?
1: So yeah, so you open up one and you literally call it profit. Now you can go to your bank and do this and ask them to label that. Or I mean, I know with our credit union, our, our financial institution, you can just go online and give your accounts a nickname. So you label hmm. that profit and um, you just you know you could just start with one percent if you just put in one percent of all of your collections you know for this month into that account and don't touch it that's exactly the first step that you start with okay. um, after you kind of get your rough percentages of where you are currently um, then you just start to work the system pretty much based on the percentages that you come up with right then mm-hmm. and you open up your other accounts you have an account that's labeled for tax and you start anywhere between Um, five and 10% Mm -hmm. is really kind of where you at least want to start. Even if you don't have a real exact number of what you've been operating on, but eventually you're going to grow that to be about 15%. Um, And that's just because from day and from dollar one, you have to be planning for taxes. And guess what? If on April 15th comes around and you've got a lot of money sitting in that account and your tax bill wasn't that much, it's still your money. You know, you can bonus yourself out. You can then go buy a new piece of equipment. Um, or or you can save it for the next tax cycle. But that's not really, you know, the exact purpose of that. But um, so you have the profit, you have tax, um, you have owner's pay, you want to see very much black and white, how you compensate yourself. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that your pay that you take home has to be variable, but you're constantly putting into this bucket and maybe say, you set up a salary for yourself to where you don't have, you know, this big in fluctuations, but you wanna at least have some sort of a baseline you're putting money into that is labeled just for you. Um, I often have um, clients also set up a set dollar amount to go towards something like an IRA or whatever their retirement is, it's gonna come out of that account as well. Um, and then what you have left over is your operating expenses. So out of that amount, you know, is what you get to pay your overhead out of, pay your staff out of, you know, all your marketing budget, all of those things will come out of that operating expenses.
0: Perfect. Good. And then um, what would you suspect for, a? Uh, I mean, it's, it's so variable, so it's a hard question, but from a chiropractic practice, what percentage do you think will be for operating? What's a fair number or at least a range?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say most, um, chiropractors are going to be somewhere between 30 and 60% on the high end. That 60 is again, pretty high. That's going to be something we're going to be working down towards. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in the book, the methodology has certain, um, target allocation percentages that they talk about and they want, you know, for the first goal that you want to hit is that 50% goes to owner's pay. Mm-hmm. And for some people, I mean, that, that could be a big jump, especially those first early years in practice where maybe mm-hmm. you're only paying yourself like 10%, you know, yep. at the end of the year sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so operating expenses, you know, depending on how lean you can get it. Um, and again, we, you know, whatever your ceiling is, as well as, you know, however big your collections are, but mm-hmm. somewhere between 30 to 60 is roughly going to be that um, operating
0: expense. Perfect. Good. And you said, uh, was it one percent for profit, or can that alter as well?
1: Um, So one percent is definitely just where you want to start. Like as long as you know, again, talks about the methodology. If your business is in the black and you know you're operating today essentially on hundred percent, what's what's taking one percent off and stowing it away going to do? You're still going to be able to operate on that ninety nine percent. So that's where you start out. Um, But you want to eventually migrate that profit up to five to ten percent.
0: And then the rest would be owners' pay. Yes. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah. So let's say you got the profit to 10% and then you're doing 40% of owner pay. That's that 50% kind of dream spot you're saying. Yeah. Perfect. That makes sense. So it's nice to have a, have a plan for that. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it and she does a great job. If you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to PropelYourCompany.com/chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results, and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to PropelYourCompany.com/chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like We don't know how to create content sometimes, and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about, and Kyra really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans, and see what they're all about. First-time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code christy 15 That's christy 15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. Where would like an emergency savings play in this role? Is that another account that's part of that?
1: That is, that's not in the native five accounts, um, but that is something that I do set up um, for with clients as well, because I think it's, you know, especially just given everything we've gone through, you know, with this Mm. pandemic in the past year, you never really know what's going to happen. You could be in an area where, you know, things get shut down and your revenue is suddenly, is suddenly down. So, um, you know, having an emergency fund anywhere between one to three months of that overhead. And I'd really like your owner's pay to be in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't stress that really in the first quarter that that needs to be a goal that we get to, like, you mm-hmm. literally just have to set up your accounts and start working the system. And then we can start feeding, you know, some off to that emergency fund. I don't say, you, you know, you definitely have to start with that. It's, it's something you grow towards.
0: Yeah, I always joke around. I I was preparing for this pandemic over five years. I didn't really do emergency fund, just, you know, kept it in checking and stuff like that. And then in 2015 with that issue, that was my first lesson. And then um, I really worked a lot towards emergency fund for uh, hurricanes down here. Cause we had a, we had a, like two or three scares back to back to back. And it's just like, I just want to be prepared to be closed for like six weeks and have to put money towards rebuilding stuff. I actually own my real estate for the practice. So it's on me, you know, if something happens for that, obviously I have insurance, but sometimes I can take some time. Uh, so I was preparing and then obviously the pandemic hit, so I felt good about it. And I, I know a lot of chiropractors. Uh, learn that lesson. I think, luckily, a lot of us that maybe weren't planning for it, the PPP helped out in a lot of ways, um, but there's no guarantees that that's always going to happen, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, having grown up in Florida, I remember thinking, like, I want a profession that I can work with my hands, whether or not the power is on. Yeah. (laughs) Because I have very distinct memories from, you know, childhood, like, oh, weeks Mm -hmm. without power.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a real thing. And obviously, if you're in other parts of the country, it could be blizzards, it could be earthquakes, it could be tornadoes. So uh, I don't know if there's a place on the planet where you can avoid those. And, uh, yeah, so good. Having a plan is important. Now, um, when you when you work with a chiropractor too, do you also take into consideration maybe their personal uh, financial situation? You know, maybe they have a spouse that has an high income or great benefits or they have certain family goals? Do you because obviously as a small business owner, a lot mm-hmm. of it's tied together. Do you help a little bit with that?
1: Um, I haven't gotten too much into personal finance with chiropractors, besides mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you need to be paying yourself, you need to be paying yourself well. Yeah. And, you know, we do need to have some conversations around if there's any student loans, if there's any yeah. debt in the practice. Um, and then again, you know, putting some money away for retirement, uh, but not necessarily, you know, the implementation side on personal finance. I mean, yeah. I personally, but just because I love the system so much. Mm-hmm. Immediately, you know, that first year after we got it rocking and rolling in the practice, you know, I went and, and opened up several new bank accounts yeah. um, or sub-accounts on our personal finances. I mean, so I mean, right now I probably have 10 different um, you know, personal accounts that are labeled for individual things. And those are things we're just slowly dripping money into. Mm-hmm. I mean, like say, you know, coming out of the holiday season, you know, there's something there for, you know, when we want to take a vacation or, you know, when you want to spend, you know, a lot of money on kids and family during the holidays. We plan for that all throughout the year.
0: So one of the questions that I got after the uh, business summit that you did and the way I answered it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I've talked a lot about on this podcast and I've had Christine Odell on about more of like a, you know, operating account, emergency savings account and then a sinking fund where you would save up money for big expenses ahead of time versus having to just write the check for it or take it out on credit which a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thought process to this is that you really can do both a profit first system and do a system like that where you've got the accounts for emergency savings like you mentioned, but also potentially like a sinking fund or is a mm-hmm. is a sinking fund part of that profit first five accounts?
1: Um, no, I would say, if in doubt, open an account that actually comes yeah. from the book. It's like, you know, if you know you want to buy a table, $10,000 table next mm-hmm. year or, it, you know, in the next five years, then give it a name. Just yeah. open up an account and say, you know, $100 a month or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, or it's it's based on that percentage is going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, those basic five accounts are all going to be percentages Um, And then if you do open up another account, I'm more inclined to put dollar amounts on those, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and draft that from OPEX if if needed um, to move that over so that you're incrementally getting towards towards that Mm -hmm. specific goal. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's like you said, if you just want to kind of keep some cash in the business Mm -hmm. and have it for whatever capital expenses come up then you can you know just put a percentage
0: into it yeah so i just want to clarify that because you said it and i just want to make sure they heard that is like if you're putting x amount per month towards a one-off expense that's in your operating budget account right mm-hmm. Yeah. perfect yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense because you just and that's what's great about it it's like okay yeah 150 dollars a month is part of my operating expense i'm not necessarily using it right now but it's because of i need to purchase this new laser therapy or something right yeah Good. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just about having a plan and it really matters. It doesn't matter how profitable you are. I th- I feel like they get lulled to sleep a little bit. You know, I work with some chiropractors that are very profitable and they've got a ton of revenue coming in and it's a, it's really a fun situation for sure, but they still don't have a plan and it's amazing. Um, and I want you to speak to this a little bit. Is their inability to make accurate decisions financially. Do you see that a lot with some of the higher revenue practices or higher, higher profit practices?
1: Um, Yeah, I can speak to, you know, the numbers can get a little muddled sometimes with um, like say, you know, hiring associates and based Mm -hmm. on how those associates are Mm -hmm. paid. Right. And so if you look at implementing the system Mm -hmm. and you're looking at a percentage for your associate, looking at your percentage for your, for your, um, for your owner's pay, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, wait a second, you know, it, does their percentage need to be closer to mine, or does mine need to be higher? And so, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up with all of a sudden, when you're you're putting those numbers on things, um, I think it really just helps you to make better decisions when you know, very clearly, um, how much of the revenue that you're generating, you know, comes home to you and your family, we have a lot of I see a lot of disconnect between um, chiropractors, you know, been rock and rolling, and they've been in practice for 10 years. And yeah, that they're, they're bringing in a lot of revenue. Um, but they don't pay themselves regularly, yeah. you know, they just kind of take money from the business, like whenever they feel like they need it. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they they maybe have a salary, but they don't cash the check always because like, well, I'm gonna wait till the next insurance check comes yeah. in. And so there's just always this constant, like sort of grind along the system. And there isn't that intention behind it.
0: Yeah, it's always tough to see chiropractors suffering in their personal life uh, to just try to figure out the business side of things, and it doesn't have to be that way. And uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the associates thing because that's obviously one of the huge concerns a lot of chiropractors have, and they ask, "Like, I don't know if I can afford an associate." And we'll look at things, and it's like, "Well, yeah, like you don't, because you don't know what your profit and loss really is, and you don't know what money is for what." And so it sounds like with the profit first system, you'd really be able to figure out like, yeah, I could afford this because, you know, I could afford the payroll, the payroll taxes. If you have a 401k or something, uh, malpractice insurance, there's a lot more expenses than just the pure salary. And if you have it cleanly laid out like that, you can say, oh, yeah, I can easily afford X amount per month extra for for an associate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see that growth if you haven't been really intentional about how the how the business serves you as the owner. Right. Um, You know, I definitely I think one of the things why I'm so passionate about this, too, is like I don't want to see chiropractors burn out because their business, you know, wasn't sustainable, their business model Mm -hmm. was not sustainable. And I think we see this too, generationally, as we have new graduates coming out, you know, making decisions about, you know, wanting to go and be an entrepreneur or just Mm -hmm. wanting to take a job, you have old docs that are trying to retire out, but maybe their retirement plan was selling the practice Mm -hmm. and Practices are not being sold, you know, like they were even 10 years ago, yeah. um, you know, just because, I mean, lenders don't look at that the same, you know, if there's not some collateral behind it, if it's just essentially your patient list, you know, that's, that's a bit of a problem. So, yeah, I mean, there has to be foresight, even from day one of essentially your exit strategy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to get out of this, you know, this career, even though you're just starting it and that's where the intentional planning comes in.
0: Yeah, it's great to have the finances like that. And I just want to transition a little bit, and and I won't take up too much more of your time, but obviously this is a, a marketing podcast. Uh, we talk a lot about business as well, but um, let's chat a little bit about marketing budget and knowing what you can spend on marketing. I, I would assume that's in the operating expense uh, bank account.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'll all come out of OPEX. I think um, one of the most important things is the system forces you to essentially figure out what is essential. Um, You start by doing an audit and you say, okay, what is actually, you know, categorize things, what's completely, you know, directly uh, revenue generating expense, Um, what's completely necessary, and you get really lean on those expenses. And then I feel like you can be way more intentional on, you know, the target market that you're marketing towards, and the types of things that you're going to invest in. Um, you know, what I see a lot of times is that, um, you know, if, if, you're just kind of a little ambiguous about your marketing or about your, your advertising and you have not clearly narrowed down, um, you know, who it is that, that, that population that you serve, you know, just like you're spending, it can sort of be all over the place. Um, I see this a lot too, you know, especially like with that whole buying a new piece of equipment or trying out a new revenue line, like until you make like the first thing very efficient your marketing message is going to be all over the place. Like your your clientele is not really going to know you for one certain thing if you're kind of all over the map, right? So the marketing budget will come out of operating expenses and I think it really, you just have to get clear on what the return on investment is. Mm -hmm. I kind of deal with marketing, advertising and staff expenses um, kind of in that same category because those are things that can become very runaway and have a little return on investment if we're not very intentional about how those are, you know, impacting the top line, the revenue
0: generation. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you don't want to spend money you don't have. So you don't, you know, it's the shiny object of like, oh, I'd love to be able to spend $1,000 on Google ads a month per month. And, you know, you you know, that a new patient's worth $1,000. So as long as I get one new patient and and do all that, but they'll go at it and they won't get anything. And and they didn't have the $1,000 to to start with, at least with this system, you're kind of reverse engineering, you're putting money in profit, you're paying yourself, you're paying your fixed expenses. And then you can say to yourself like, oh, I've got a thousand dollars. Like where I joke around and say, you know, how much could you lose at the blackjack table? And it just be like, oh, that was fun. Oh, well, that's kind of how you sometimes have to look at marketing early on when you're trying to uh, Facebook ads for the first time or whatever. It's like, okay, what kind of runway do you have? Can you spend $1,000 or $500 a month for six months to see if it's going to take traction and it's not going to put you in the red? If you can do that, then we, we can have a conversation around that. And so it sounds like you can kind of back into what a, a marketing budget would be for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely think you have to tap into that. I know that concept that you say a lot is the who, not the how.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like if if you've got quote extra money spent, you know, hanging around, then go and get that expert that's going to help you get to that that next level or that next place rather than trying to do it yourself because then that is like going to the (laughs) blackjack table.
0: It it is. And I see it all the time for sure. And uh, yeah, just like hiring an associate, it's like, you need to know, is like, can I outsource this? Can I afford to do that? And uh, as you grow, you then you got to figure out your personal life and your business life. It's like, okay, if you have that extra 10,000 a month, You know, do you need to save for a new house or do you want to invest in a new associate or hire a VA, whatever it is, um, you just need to be able to make those decisions and having a really good plan and understanding of your finances uh, makes it a whole lot easier for you to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think once you get things down to essentially um, I like to do like a baseline assessment and say like, effectively, what is your hourly rate right now? That is just sort of your baseline of what you generate. And then yeah. where do you want to go with that? Because then that'll determine, you know, does this mean I have to see more patients per hour? Or does yeah. this mean that I, I don't take lower paying insurances, you know, anymore? And you move towards that, you know, do you bring in a cash service? I mean, it just, once you get really clear on those first numbers, those baselines, that helps to, you know, inform what your next steps are going to be, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, a next a new person or a new offering um, or, you know, just the new marketing um, idea that's going to bring in more of your, of your ideal patients. Yeah.
0: Or like you said, can I afford to drop that worst paying insurance and if I never get one more person, like if, let's just say in a month, if 50 of those people are that crappy insurance and they never came back again, could I still afford it? Yes. Great. That's a good decision because the reality of it is some of them are going to come back and still pay you cash and they'll pay you more than what you're getting. And it'll actually kind of even out. I've done that multiple times is, is dropping insurance, plan out to where we're, we're, not in network with anything, but I knew going into that decision mm-hmm. that we could, we could handle that. And I, you know, finances are so tricky because there's the psychology of it. Like I'm actually reading an old book, the millionaire next door. I'm not sure if you've read that. Right. And I'm just on this kick of like reading a lot about the psychology of that stuff. And it's always interesting. And, you know, the, for the audience, the basic concept of that is usually the millionaires are not the ones driving the Ferraris essentially. Right. Like they've just done a good job. They're not, they're not even necessarily high income earners, they're moderate income earners. They just did a good job of saving and investing and being smart and having a plan with the money. And I know that's a, a struggle within um, our profession is, is having that plan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The mindset behind it, I see it a lot. Um, my husband takes in interns and, you know, we see that a lot of that transition of going from the the, the broke college student yeah. <laughs> to now I'm suddenly a professional and I'm supposed mm-hmm. to demand, you know, the, the patients pay me for this now. Um, so we see that a lot over that transition. And I, I feel like it, you know, it, it impacts the women in our profession more because, you know, especially if you're, you're the time when you're, you're growing a family, um, you know, the, the practice part of it can very much be seen, you know, out from the outsiders of, Oh, well, that's just a hobby or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you, you don't know how to take time off because you don't have any money saved up, you know, for your own maternity leave and that sort of thing. So and that's another reason why I'm just so passionate about this. It's like, we, we have to have a plan mm-hmm. for women to stay in this profession, honestly. So
0: I agree. No, it's without a doubt. And, uh, and then, you know, one last quick thing on the psychology of money that I'm, I'm kind of like working through and teasing. Out how to disp- how to um, present it better to to my audience. So maybe you have some insights on it. Is that um, I grew up in a pretty uh, lower middle class family, and and I had great parents, and they're still together. I think they've been married for forty five years now, and uh, I really don't have a lot of complaints. But they just grew up with very limited resources financially, and I I would say the one thing that I lacked up until the last six or seven years was a uh, just an education on money, like really that literacy of, of finances and a little bit of a poverty mindset to where I earlier on in my profession, I really struggled to see it the value from the other end of being able to charge that person X amount of dollars and get paid what I'm worth. Um, I've done a lot to come overcome that. And like I said, I'm at a network, where higher cash rates and I feel pretty confident about that. And, and I feel good about when someone doesn't want to pay it. I, I get that. I totally understand it. But do you see that often too, where a lot of chiropractors bring, little bit of that poverty mindset to it. They're not charging enough. They're spending too much time with the patient. So there's not enough margin. And then that really gets It really makes it hard to get the finances squared away because of that mindset.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, um, concept that was uh, introduced to me by an author a um, few years ago is the whole scarcity and abundance. That's the, you know, duality there of scarcity mm-hmm. over abundance. Um, I read a book called killing sacred cows by Eric Anderson, Yeah, yep. you know, so those just, just, just having the definition of that and the awareness of that, mm-hmm. like just completely clicked because I, I mean, I grew up in a, you know, very similar family setting. And I mean, to this day, you know, I can remember there, there was a moment, um, it was probably about, a, yeah, it was about a little over a year ago we were still making travel plans, but, yep. um, uh, we were making the decision of uh, my husband's going to be speaking at a conference or we making a decision, you know, take the whole family and, you know, make a trip out of it and that sort of thing. And, and my mom is actually uh, visiting and mm-hmm. she was over my shoulder and she's like, I can't believe you're about to spend $1,200 on plane tickets. And I was like, um uh, yeah, like I'm I'm all about the experience, you know, yeah. for our kids and showing them the world mm-hmm. and showing them that there's there's so much out there, so much wealth out there with just culture and people. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I mean, just the simple awareness of where your money mindset is, mm-hmm. um, I, I think can be a real eye-opener um for, for you and in, in practice and how you spend your time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's tricky. There's a lot to it. And we could probably have a, you know, two day conversation on on that alone. But um, I want to I want to thank you for your time for sure. And um, if you have any last pieces of wisdom for our chiropractors, that's great. And then also let them know how they can reach out to you if they have more questions. Yeah, of
1: course. Yes. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me. Um, I am fairly active on Instagram um, and it's uh, at Dr. Holly A. Tucker um, and same on Facebook as well. Um, But my um, practice name is Active Family. So it's actually ActiveFamilyTN.com. The TN's for Tennessee um, is my website. And I mean, I'm pretty regularly producing um, sort of a mini blog. I do a lot of video trainings, um, catch me on several summits um, and hopefully coming up this year, I'll be hosting another one of my own summits.
0: Yes. Perfect. I love it. Good. Um, Thank you for your time today. And I know we'll be chatting uh, in the future. And also thank you for your contribution as a uh, CSA member as well.
1: Yes. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show.